Welcome to the Green Edge Podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our weekly update for the week ending 28th of April 2023. We're starting this podcast with a sincere apology to Franz Howells. The Dutch master painted the Laughing Cavalier in 1624, and in our post this week on Green Skills Frameworks, we've depicted his masterpiece in a rather garish green frame. All in good faith, of course, and we will, of course, remove the image if we get a complaint from the Hals family estate or the Wallace collection. On the other hand, since we're not overly confident that we have subscribers from either of those two groups, perhaps the image will stay for now at least. Michael, I hope I didn't offend your cultured senses, but what is a green skills framework and why does the UK need one? A skills framework is a structure that allows you to look at the total skills map, be it for a sector, growth series of occupations, or even a whole economy or a part of an economy that shows its levels and relationships between skills. And therefore, you can look at the levels, the depth, and the like. But therefore, it means you can start to plot and plan your own career pathway, your own upskilling, your reskilling, and see the relationship between the skills you do have and the skills you might want to acquire to enter a new job, new occupation, or a new level of work. Now, in the post, we refer to a huge amount of green skills work that's going on in Europe. The European Skills Database, ESCO, now has a green skills collection. We talk about the European-funded Alliance for Batteries, Technology, Training and Skills, all BATS. And there are others like the European Sustainability Competence Framework, Green Comp. Now, Michael, is it fair to say that the UK is being guilty of a little post-Brexit blinkering against drawing on European resources like this? Well, certain people seem to be. I find it amazing. We've been through a few draft LSIPs recently, and not one of them makes reference to any of this European material or draws upon it. Yet they do draw upon American material called ONET, which is well known to us. And if you just take ESCO, ESCO lists out the 381 green skills, the 185 knowledge concepts of green, and the transversal skills for green as well. It's a great data set. There's also an equivalent one in Singapore, both of which should be a rich source of information and is available freely on the internet to be downloaded and manipulated and used at local level. And I'd also add there's also Nestor's work that they did for the skills taxonomy down in Sussex. And again, that is available if you're prepared to dig to Appendix 16 of that LSIP trailblazer document. A lot of resources out there for sure. Now, we finished this week's post with our opinion that a good template to use for the UK's green skills framework might be the skills framework for the information age or SOFIA. SOFIA is the globally accepted common language for the skills and competences for the digital world. It covers IT, business change, data science and analytics, HR, learning and education and many other fields. And a lot of these are green fields too, Michael, if you'll pardon the pun. They are. And I think it'd be an interesting challenge to set a number of organizations to take that framework from Sophia and say, make it green. What does it look like if you're trying to look at for a whole green economy and sustainability and net zero? And I think because Sophia have perfected this, and this is a, I don't know how many iterations they've been through because they keep it up to date, is it's proven its value in that sector. 
And I think there are quite a lot of parallels between the digital and IT world and the green world because they're ubiquitous. They spread across all occupations and all sectors. So it's shown that it's utility across those things. And a green version would be brilliant. Perhaps a task for someone like Aima to pick up and run with. And we're currently on Sophia version 8, and they do update it every couple of years. So it's been going for some time. Now, one perhaps controversial comment we make in the post is about the Institute for Apprenticeships and the way it pins apprenticeships to occupations rather than taking a broader cross-pathway view for green skills. You may or may not agree with our view, but here's an interesting interchange we found from around the time of COP27 between firstly Beth Chowdhury, IFAIT Strategy Director, followed by Charlotte Bonner, the Head of Education for Sustainable Development at the Education and Training Foundation, ETF. Our place in the system is as the voice of the employer. And actually, who knows better what green skills are needed than employers? And I think our role very much through the advisory panel and through the sustainability criteria is to curate and support employers to make sure that there are the right green products in all sectors. So at the moment, our employer advisory panel has identified 44 apprenticeships which are green, for example. But we expect that to grow and grow and grow as they start to really focus on different sectors. The work that, that IFAIT's been doing, especially thinking about new green jobs that are being created, has been really welcome. I worry that we're missing something around how we equip and enable existing people in, in the existing workforce to adapt and upskill and reskill, particularly in areas where we know there will be demand, but it's not there yet. And I'm interested in how government and industry and employers can work together to make sure that that's kind of a smooth transition. So we desperately need retrofitters. We desperately need engineers who can install heat pumps rather than gas boilers. But at the moment, the market is still in a backwards looking in a technology that's going to be obsolete in future. So how do we make sure that that transition is smooth? And how do we instill that lifelong learning and that ability to equip the existing workforce as well as those kind of going into their careers for the first time. Given the urgency of what we're working with, we need that to be fairly rapid. I think local skills plans will help. Sometimes the risk of working with employers is that the, the trajectory, their priority is in the shorter term, uh, the next three to five years perhaps, rather than that really long-term view that we need. Michael, on the one hand, Beth says, who knows better about what green skills are needed than employers? Then Charlotte says that sometimes employer priorities are in the shorter term rather than the long-term view that we need. Fair comments? I think they're both fair comments. And I'd certainly always take challenge with Beth's comment around employers know best. Some employers know best. But if you have the wrong employers round the table, you'll end up with the wrong answer. So you need to actually have independent data. And if you go back to comments we made earlier in this podcast about drawing upon ESCO and other databases, I think you've automatically got a checklist. You can populate those conversations employers are having so they can actually look at those existing, independently derived from national occupational standards, green checklists. And in terms of the short term, I think that's very, very true. It is very hard in people's mind's eye to go beyond three years. You need to sometimes, though, with some of these major shifts to go five and even 10 years out. And luckily, there are some pieces of work being done like that on skills, thanks to work by Gatsby, the value-added manufacturing catapult. And they have actually trailed a little path there around technology mapping and linking it to skills. And a reminder that you can find this week's post with apologies again to Mania Howells 
on greenedge.substack.com. And you can also find this podcast on all the major streaming platforms, including Apple, Google, and Amazon. Michael, a little bird told me you've been doing a bit of moonlighting away from writing for the Green Edge. You've caught me out there. Yes, I have. I cannot tell a lie. Now, the Edge Foundation, as many of us know, is being a great campaigner for technical education. And that is a major career route. And on a quarterly basis, they produce a document which is online called Skill Shortages for the UK Economy. And we contributed to their green jobs and skills shortage section this time round. And that links in very nicely with other work that they've collated on heat pumps, on EV installations as well, and EV roles in the motor car industry. So again, I thought it was a nice little piece. And we were trying to promote the use of reliable, robust data to drive the skills debate around green. And for City and Guilds, they were launching a piece to complement their huge portfolio of qualifications for green for Earth Day, And we were interviewed and helped them through addressing a series of questions around green skills. And that is on their website currently. And we caught that particular piece in our post this week. And we're also starting to see some output from the local skills improvement plans. We are. And in fact, we're going to join in with one of them on May 4th, where we'll be at the launch for the Surrey LSIP. And they've already done a significant piece of baselining work for the green skills and jobs demand in the whole Surrey, Stroke North and Mid-Hampshire area. And in fact, on the same day, we're joining OCN in East London for a roundtable session around green skills in construction and engineering and the digital sectors. So there's a lot of activity. And the beauty is this is happening on the ground with people wanting to make things happen with local employers, which is excellent, and linking that with colleges. And finally, Tempest Fugit and all that. Here we are at the end of April, and there's your usual monthly reports roundup coming out on 2nd of May after the bank holiday. Another bumper crop this month, including, of course, the reams of stuff from Energy Security Day. You're right. And we've only selected, I think, six out of the 45 documents that came out for Energy Security Day or Green Day until it was retitled. But there's a whole raft of stuff in there. I think we've got over 60 again in this uh, month's listing. And it just shows the volume of relevant material that's coming out. And with the LSIPs coming through, we hope to be able to cover the majority of those in some shape or form over June and July, perhaps, because there should be 38 documents, one of which we've been contributing to up in Cumbria, And we hope to be speaking to three or four of the people up in Cumbria about their plan and in particular their far-sighted view of building the potential behind offshore wind. Thank you for listening to this Green Edge podcast. This podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights.